Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. Guys, how are you doing in this coronavirus <laughs> time? Hey. Oh, my. We are. God. It's so. S- Go ahead, no, Brent. Yeah, we're recording from home right now um, out of an abundance of caution. Uh, we were all together. Like, the last time we all hung out was. Basically, the last time I saw anyone a week ago. Yeah, it was. We had a game night, all three of us, right. um, proving that, was, that we are friends outside of the podcast. And that was certainly a la- the last time. That was the last time I had was with a gathering of people. Yeah, yeah. We played Brent's homemade a true crime board game, uh, <laughs> FBI Profiler, which was very fun. Thank you very, thank you very much for the shout out. I'm doing <laughs> house parties, three hundred dollars a pop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, it's been strange. Yeah. We we've had to we've had to kind of step back and and go into sort of a quarantine in Los Angeles. I mean, it, Los An- California was the first state to in- mandate a sort of shelter in place yeah. um, position for the state. Now other states have. They probably will continue to this week, or as this yeah. we're recording this episode on March twenty second. Right. Um, and a lot can change in a week, we've yep. learned. I mean, it is strange to think that, like, like Michael and I were just talking about how, you know, I, I, we went to go see that Disney movie, Onward, and that was that came out March 6th. We saw it on March yeah. 6th, but it feels like a lifetime ago that it came out. We're like, how is it already coming out on digital? Oh, because the whole world changed in the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of insane. Yeah, it's, it's been a really intense, obviously everyone has been kind of, like, fucked up by it, and... I guess I always kind of see it whenever things are bad. I always see it as like my duty to read the news because I'm like, well, some some people have to be informed, and I should I should I should inform be myself, be responsible, and so I'm just trying to kind of balance that with wanting to jump out a window. Like it's like there just hasn't been much good news <laughs> in the last like ten days, and I mean when in when in, when in our entire lives, except for nine eleven. Have you gone like 10 days with such sort of uncertainty and, you know, mm-hmm. consistent, dire messaging from, you know, uh, from public officials? It's, it's just I, it's kind of unprecedented. Well, and I think I mean, I think it's even in many ways worse than 9-11 yeah. because it. I mean, we were very, yeah, there was a period of time where the country was mourning, but about a week after, life kind of got back to normal. Flights resumed, yeah. television shows not resumed, New York, shows happened. Not in New York, guys, not in New York. Ellen, you <laughs> son no, of a even bitch. In, even in New York, they did. They were very hesitant of, like, we must get back. Saturday Night Live must well, come back on. Yeah. Like, it was like a whole Yeah, but at, it felt like thing. that because Giuliani was saying that, but at the time, it was like, it was so, it was just it was so weird. It was so eerie. And like, it was just, it did. I mean, this is definitely, this set definitely felt like that. Although obviously, you know, different in terms of, yeah, it's ongoing. Well, but, and it's, but I think the difference is you can't physically be with other people. Whereas that was a necessity during nine 11 morning. Yeah. Now 
you physically can't be with people. You can't do things. And you're always sort of second guessing everything that you're yeah. doing. You're, Constantly. you're sort of like, is my phone clean? Is, can I go here? Did I touch this? How am I going to get gas? Like all kinds of strange things that you just never thought you'd have to, like yesterday, Michael and I went on a drive. We were just like, we're just going to go on a drive to get out yeah. of the house. Just drive around Hell, LA. And you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I needed to get gas. And the process of getting gas was so strange because I was so aware of like what I was yeah. touching. Oh and my every, God. I, yeah. had the, I had, I had gloves on. I didn't want to touch my credit card, putting it in the slot and taking it out. Like yeah. all of those things yeah. I had to like be very conscious of. All I think strange. of, I remember seeing like a show on TLC years ago where, um, they were showing germs, like just, I don't remember what the show was about exactly, but they showed a blue light inside of a bar. It, they like showed it in like a blue light mm-hmm. and you could see where there were germs left over under a blue light and I've never forgotten it. And so when I think about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> any of this stuff, like the gas station or the grocery store, all I think about are like, where have the germs been? Yeah. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so, you know, bizarre. I, I was also going to say that I think the other thing that makes this so novel is that unlike 9-11 where I did not live in New York and it was I can't imagine what it was like for a New Yorker but it was easy to at least to a certain degree move on in Michigan it's like this is this is the first calamity that's ever happened I, I mean in centuries that involved the entire world well I guess yeah it's I a guess, global yeah, thing a com- completely global pandemic and so uh, and so it's so bizarre you can't. You don't even have the fantasy of like saying, "Well, I'll go to Michigan for for a month. I'll leave my apartment yeah. in L.A. and I'll get the hell out of here, and I'll be fine if I go to Vegas for a week or something." You, I mean, you can't well, even. By the way, Canada. You can't go to Iceland. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> well, by the way, my parents yeah. are in uh, Florida, snowboarding for the first time, and. Brent, when you had mentioned the idea of like picking up and potentially going to Michigan to your parents, I was like. I was like, oh, that could, that's that's an interesting thought, and I thought about doing it. Like, could I do that myself if I weren't, you know, if I didn't have stuff going on in L.A.? And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm the one literally, literally telling my parents what to do to stop socializing. Yeah, they're throwing pizza parties, they're having friends over, they're having drinks, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, and this phenomenon of baby boomers being so uh, stubborn about continuing their way of life is the oddest. I never would have expected that to but be a thing. To be fair... Well, that doesn't surprise uh, me. I mean, uh, to be fair, though, I it took me, again, as someone who's reading the news and trying to be very much kind of feeling the pressure to do what's best from an epide- epidemiological standpoint early on, it, didn't, it took me until last Sunday when I had a couple friends who were like, you need to stop doing everything. And I kind of pushed back that night. I was like, I'm fine. It's fine. Um, I can still get my coffee in the morning and I can still do X, Y, or Z. And, and then obviously subsequently I've been like, yeah, I I really need to just kind of stay at home and just, just go to the grocery store when I need it. And that's that. Um, So I guess it doesn't surprise me that people who are older, who have lived through more, who also might not be reading the news as much or might not be kind of reading these yeah. dire predictions on Twitter uh, uh, are, yeah. are not exactly heeding the warnings yet. But let's also <laughs> let's also be, I mean, not to throw blame at anybody, sure. not for the coronavirus, but in general, 
the boomer generation has not necessarily been the most gracious generation <laughs> when it comes to, you know, student loans, when it comes mm-hmm. to the economic situation we're in, when it comes to a lot of different things. If we have to really pinpoint the most arrogant economic mm-hmm. Generation, I'm going to put that on the boomers because mm. they're the reason why we had the housing crisis. They're the reason why there's a lot of different like that generation has really sort of taken the money and ran. But why do um, my parents insist on having pizza parties? <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not blaming your parents. I don't. I you know, I think they're wonderful people, and many boomers are. But I'm just saying, like, there is a level of, and I've heard about it a lot on the news. Even they were talking about it on CBS. This sort of idea that the boomer generation just doesn't want to be told what to do, especially from sort of like young hipster, Gen Mm. Z, millennial people who like are seeing the scary things on social media and the scary things on the internet and the things that people are sharing around the world. They're not seeing that because they're not using social media the same way we're using social media. Um, it's there's it a real disconnect between the generations, and they're sitting comfy in their their owned homes that they don't have to necessarily <laughs> yeah. have that big of a mortgage on yeah. anymore. And we're the ones being like, "Where's our check going to come in a month? And we're going to be able to pay rent." My, I mean, my parents had a weird one where um, they were self isolating. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, yeah self self quarantining. Uh, no symptoms, but they were just pretty much staying at home. And then I found out a week ago that they were having construction done on their bathroom, and that they had three construction workers in their house every day. What? And, oh, wow. and so I was like, "Well, that ends today." And it was so funny because I think similar to Elliot's family, uh, they were like, "Well, we can't. The bathroom's a mess. We can't just stop." And I was like, oh, my God. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can stop the bathroom right now. And so I've been very Do they have another bathroom? Yes, they have multiple bathrooms. This is the Midwest. (laughs) It's not like they have to go to an outhouse. So it was was just like it was a weird lapse in judgment where they were heeding the warnings, but they also were allowing strangers in their house every day. And so I've been very on edge about, you know. You know, now they've been pretty much pretty isolated for a while now, but I'm, you know, it still makes you nervous. I didn't get fully scared, like fully sort of like, I mean, I was, I was, I think even before we met for the game night that we had, I was definitely the one who was like, we just have to be careful of this and we have to be mindful of this. We were going to go to Outback. You You were pushing Outback, as I recall. Yeah, Yeah, of course I was. I love that chicken. Um, But, uh, you know, of course, then when they called off a lot of stuff, we were like, we can't do Outback. Let's just do a gathering yeah. at Elliot's place. Uh, and it wasn't until that weekend when yeah. I got a email from my doctor, my oncologist, saying, you can't go out. Yeah. Like, yeah. you specifically, because of your past medical situation, you can't, you can't, you know, take a chance here. Um, and I was like but I'm healthy. I am healthy. And it's like, but you still have these underlying conditions that could potentially put you at a high risk for complications, being able to breathe. And that's, that's really where it comes down to. It's like, it's not so much like you just get sick. It, it, it attacks your lungs. You suffocate. You can't breathe. Like it's, it's it's a really scary, scary thing. So that that really so, hit me. That's when I was like, okay, we're. Well, have you been in. following? So Ben McAdams is a freshman uh, Democrat 
uh, House of Representatives, mm-hmm. representative from the state of Utah. And uh, everyone who followed the midterms very closely was familiar with Ben McAdams because he was basically the last race to get called because uh, he, he won in a pretty conservative district. But he is the first uh, person, first famous person, at least that I'm aware of, who had some pretty bad effects. A lot of people have talked about how, you know, they, they felt pretty sick, but they got through it and things were okay. Some people have been, have tested positive, but didn't have many symptoms. So there's plenty of reason not to panic if you do ultimately get a fever, if you do get coronavirus. But Ben McAdams is this representative who had a pretty bad case where he said it's the sickest he's ever felt. He's had a fever for about a week. Is he old? No, he's 45. He's had a fever for like 102, 103 for days at a time. He said it feels like there's a belt around his chest. Um, and he, but ultimately, you know, he said he's checked with his doctor every day. His doctor said this is pretty common. Usually it gets worse on the seventh or eighth day. And then it kind of starts to recede. He hasn't had to check into the hospital as of this recording. And so, you know, I think that's an example of an example of how it can, it can be bad without having to go to the hospital, but that's also, you know, having a yeah. fever for eight days or whatever, or feeling really, really bad for eight to 12 days is not a vacation, you know? No, it's not, a, especially when you can't go out and get the stuff you need when you're sick. I mean, for me, whenever I have a cold, I just go to Target and I yeah. get a bunch of cough drops and cold medication and I just get what I need and I come home and I just stay in for days at yeah. a time or yeah. whatever. And now we can't do that. Right. Because all of it's gone, right? It's yeah, well, no. It's, there's, uh, there's still there's. I actually was at the pharmacy today. There's still plenty of medicine. Oh, you saw there's some still today? plenty of medicine. There's um, still like Nyquil. There's still acetaminophen everywhere. Um, see, I got a Target. There's nothing. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you show off that Target money everywhere you go. But look, not not all of us, Alan, have Target money. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> now is the time to the get CBS things money. at gas stations and mom and pop stores or whatever. Like <laughs> the first day that uh, the first day that that panic sort of set in when it felt like doomsday that that Wednesday, I think it was of last week when things felt like that took a sharp turn in the culture in general. I everyone was like, you know, rushing to get supplies all of a sudden. And I, on a whim, just had to stop and get gas. And when I went into the store, the guy in there was like, had like plenty of toilet paper and paper towels. So I just bought a bunch of stuff there, but it was like, uh, he was, I don't know. It just felt like, okay, I can avoid the sort of hysteria of it all. But And ultimately, Elliot, tell the listeners, you bought a bunch of toilet paper. Tell them what's been happening though. (laughs) Uh, Well, Brent was surprised to know that I have been going through toilet paper more regularly than less because I've just been like, like reeked reeking of panic diarrhea at, (laughs) Oh, you have panic. You have anxiety (laughs) diarrhea. Yeah. It happens a lot because especially Uh, after I went into the grocery store and was like, Oh, it was like, it was laid back and pe- nobody was, there was no long lines. Nobody was rushing. And, and I was in the produce aisle. There was all these fruits and vegetables. And then I turned the aisle and the shelves were empty. And I immediately was like, I need a diaper, yeah. right? I need a diaper <laughs> <laughs> right now. It killed me. I'm obviously not the first person. I had a couple like very good friends who, 
um, I think are always very kind of soothing presences uh, whenever I kind of need to be calmed. And they were saying the same thing. We're just even though everyone knows that the supply chains are strong and things are fine when it comes to food and 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 all these things, seeing empty shelves is just not what we're used to. And I it's Ooh. it's like a kick in the gut every time. I have yes. I will say the last couple times I've gone to Trader Joe's, it's been much better closer to being yeah. i would say 75 percent again and i might I, I i've been going in the afternoon so maybe i'm just catching it at a good time but things have been a little bit better uh, have you had to wait in line i have had to wait in line uh to get in yes yes have you been keeping socially distant i've been trying the guy behind me in line wasn't allowing it but yes and every time i was waiting in line to get into ralph's which is a grocery store and every he like just this this huge mouthed buffoon was like right behind me, and so I kept like <laughs> moving to the side, just be like, let me just get uh, you know out of the way, let me just kind of whatever. And every time I would move to the side two or three feet, he would try to cut me. He would like shuffle ahead. And he was probably a fifty-five-year-old guy. I've never come closer in my life to punching someone in the face. And I had, uh, <laughs> but I had to stop myself because you're like, this is that's that's just the panic. It's okay, Brent. Also, if he cuts you in line, you'll get into the grocery store just fine. It will be fine. I am, I am so ready. Like, I mean, we have the coronavirus has turned everyone into like librarians, basically, yeah. because like I, I'm sitting on the couch. I have a front facing apartment, and yesterday there were like these two women, young women, who they ran into each other as they were walking outside, and they started getting so excited. They're like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen you in forever!" Oh my god, and they're getting so close to each other that literally I'm looking out the window and I want to yell at them like like some old Jewish woman looking yeah. out her like second floor window. I want to yell at them six feet apart, ladies, six feet <laughs> also, apart. Like I'm getting so angry. It would be actually hilarious chilling if you like screamed at them like there's a pandemic go home or something i think that that would yeah. they would yeah. never forget it as long as they live you would be a part of their i think i might memories. start i think i might start yelling from That's my window great, i think i might have to alan yeah when is I the will. last time that when is the last time that the world experienced something like a global epi- a global pandemic like this um, I mean, well, it some would have argue been HIV, like, but uh, like this, yeah, it's I mean, been a while. Like this. Well, no, it's been since 1918, the, the Spanish, Spanish flu. flu. 18, oh. 1918, yeah, the Spanish Span- flu. Spanish flu, you son of a bitch. How dare <laughs> it's the you? I mean, flu. Wasn't that what it was How called? How dare called you? Flu. <laughs> uh, but no, it was. I, I think it was that. That, that it was yeah. like one of the worst that was, and that or one, something. That one was rough. Uh, and I mean, similarly, like the Republicans and I mean, it's sort of role reversal, but the Republicans in the 1920 election used that against the Democrats, how the Democrats, ha- they had control of, mm-hmm. of the, the majority of Congress, used that against them to then win. And then it was an unprecedented, you know, 12 years of, of Republican control mm. during the 20s and 30s until FDR came because of largely because of the Democrats response to how they handled yeah. Um, that that outbreak. So maybe it'll be different this time. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Democrats will win back control because of Republicans sort of hand, handling this in the mm, White House. And the, and that the would Senate. be a Who silver knows? lining. Well, just a little a, history tidbit for you. You know, the, well, since it's a queer podcast, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was going to segue. Do it. 
Do it, bitch. Well, since you, sh- you should have segued like, uh, speaking of FDR, let's talk about gay stuff. <laughs> well, sp- I mean, speaking about um, whatever, I'm not going to do a clean, a clean segue here. But um, I will say that one of the first and funniest responses that I saw to all of this in all the news cycles and, you know, everybody following every headline and detail and press conference was an article on New Now Next called Is... Uh, how is Corona affecting the queer hookup culture? <laughs> oh, brother! I, I, I had to laugh because I was like, "Wait, wait! This is the, this is like a crisis. This is a an offshoot of this like yeah. global crisis. How how queer people are hooking up? Yeah, um, yeah. And it was just, I mean, it's it's you know, it's a I guess it's a it is a real thing. I I, I understand it, but. Um, I was I, I just can't imagine that being on the forefront of anybody's mind if you have yeah, it's it's a- it's funny because like I have because all three of us for the first time maybe ever are all in relationships right now and you are you guys are the only ones I know that, that use grinder and so I have actually been curious what grinder is like right now is it like is it busier I presume it's not busier than ever I would assume it's not but uh, but you never know. I mean, there might be, st- you know, you could still jerk off from a, a reasonable social distance, right? <laughs> well, in, six feet uh, away as, from someone. As, by the way, the uh, the um, hookup app Sniffy Sniffles, no Sniffies, which I never heard oh, of, yeah. launched a. Um, it's called Sniffies. But you set up an account for. Her. <laughs> no, yeah, right, right. they launched a um, hashtag slash like. I guess uh, uh, movement called hashtag jerk from home, um, yeah. where they said given the given the unfolding <laughs> of Corona and the the ability for one to spread the virus without having symptoms by simply by breathing and touching things, Sniffies <laughs> is strongly advising everyone to refrain from cruising and in person hookups, or more simply, hashtag jerk from home. Yeah, and like I actually I appreciate what they're doing for I sure. Think it's, Helpful. I just think it's so funny that it's like this yeah. is such a apparently a big concern. I, mean, I think it is a concern. I think I think connection is a really big yeah. concern. So I actually would think that Grinder and the other Scruff and the other hookup apps are actually probably having an increase in use because everyone. I mean, you know, Brent, you've talked about this a lot on the podcast that like you use it oftentimes out of just because you're yeah. bored, out of just because you're you're at home b- bored and you want to communicate with yeah. someone. And I think now that is even more important than it had been previously when the world was normal, quote yeah. unquote. And so. I think a lot of people are using it for pictures, to communicate, to have some connections. There's even, like, people are using, doing really creative things to sort of connect with people. There's this, like, one uh, Instagram account that someone mentioned to me that's called Love is Quarantine. Mm. And it's, like, literally, it's a play on Love is Blind, the Netflix show. But it's, like, they're... They're they're sort of online dating, fifteen second, fifteen minute dating hmm. things, and it's an IG thing. I mean, people are doing really creative things. I what, love that. Well, I was what bothers say that. me is gay people using it to sort of the the pictures that you're, I'm seeing on gay Instagram and other sort of sexual stuff on Instagram of gay people using the quarantine to like 
have a funny, thoughty picture. Well, I was going to say that the author of the article said he did an online poll asking queer people if the virus had affected how, how they approach hookups. 70% of 118 voters said it hasn't. One uh, guy said, uh, no, I'm going to die eventually anyway, as a 27-year-old man said. Might, go, might as well go out with a bang. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. What a what an and, appropriate uh, sentiment. A a bang, a.k.a. not being able to breathe. <laughs> There's a queer sociologist named Jason Orn, um, and he told the author of the article uh, that uh, 20%, he said 20%, that's how many gay men died to HIV um, in the estimation of his 80s to 90s out populations. Due to that, I think there's a difference in perception of magnitude between the scale of corona and how many people are dying for it, but he calls it a tolerance effect. So if you're exposed to major trauma, the next trauma will likely have a more muted response. So because the death rate for corona is lower than HIV, queer people are less phased by it. And he also believes that queer people possess more of an outsider response as as they're outsiders in society. I was going to say, I, I, th- I thought that was really interesting, and I definitely had sort of had the thought before about like whether like we would have a different gay people would have a different I'm sorry queer people would have a different approach to this because of the HIV crisis that really you know had a profound decimation of gay people at the time. But I don't know. I just think it's really self centered people that are doing it. As far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't be surprised if it's younger people who have no real context. Um, for the HIV crisis. I, I, I personally didn't know it was 20%. Um, I actually guess I would have guessed higher. I, I, but my guess is that's just kind of, not to point fingers, I'm just saying that's just kind of millennial shitty culture of like, I'm going to do what I want to do, end of discussion. Like the spring break well, kids. I, think, yeah. I mean, well, but it's not even just them. It's I do think that it kind of goes across the board. And you saw it even during the HIV epidemic in the early 80s. People, the big discussion of like feeling like, you know, the government, you can't tell me how I can live my life. So the bathhouses should be kept open. And there's there's that sort of narrative there that I think runs through this. But also, too, I think that like. A lot of, I mean, there's a good friend of mine who's a listener to the podcast. He was telling me about how, like, some guy that he regularly hooks up with while he's under self quarantine, like after Mm -hmm. the the like earlier this week when it really got really bad and people had to stay home. um, And he was saying that the guy said, "Oh, we're we're young. Come over. We'll have some fun. Like, no big deal." And the guy's my friend is like, "No, that's not how this works. Like, that's not." how any of this works. What don't you get? And it's not so much, I think a young thing. I think it really is an arrogance to, to, well, I'm not going to have someone tell me how to live my life. And I think that runs through with boomers. I think that every generation I think has that. And until you experience something or educate yourself about how things, how badly things can go, you're going to be arrogantly ignorant. You know, I I was actually going to say, I think there's probably an interesting phenomenon about how I think when it comes to the historical perspective, we tend to focus on what we ultimately deemed as what was correct. And we we ignore the naysayers, which is to say, for instance, uh, anti-war demonstrators during Vietnam get all of the attention now, but if you look at polls back then, it was the country was pretty split on whether Vietnam yeah. was a justified war or not, uh, I, and it continued to be into the seventies. Sure. Absolutely, I think 
uh, if you look at, you know, obviously now when we look back on the AIDS crisis, everyone everyone kind of talks about the community rallying together, which it, it no doubt did. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people that said, Lee, take your hands off my bathhouse and like saying, I don't want the government to tell me what to do with my body, regardless of, of the health ramifications of that. But I think we ignore that because we kind of ignore the naysayers. We talk about I think understandably how the community rallied together to work at, to work through a plague, the HIV crisis. And so I'm, I guess I don't think it's against human nature to hear people who are recalcitrant and refusing to take the best advice from public officials and health officials by, by staying inside. Well, and the biggest difference, and I, I know a lot of people, I've read a lot of articles about people saying they don't like that people are comparing this to the HIV AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. of the 80s because they say that it's fundamentally different in many ways, and also the government's response to it is drastically different than what it was to the HIV-AIDS epidemic. I mean, you had Reagan not saying AIDS until 1987. That was, what, five years after the epidemic started. So, you know, there's a drastic difference in how the public responds. I mean, we were just saying at the beginning of this, you know, three weeks ago, this wasn't unnecessarily a major concern yeah. of ours that we were going to have to stay home. That Three we, weeks ago, uh, they were all still at the table on The View. And uh, they're yeah. all apart. Whoopies, they're all whoopies apart. via satellite from home, and they're using a giant desk that looks so funny on TV at The View. Yeah, yeah. Everything's different. <laughs> Everything's different. And it's, and I mean, rightfully so, as it should be. And I think, I think because there's such uncertainty about when it ends, you yeah. know what I mean? About... There is no sort of, and also too, the rest of the public, the difference between the HIV AIDS epidemic and and this is that it frankly, even though it did impact everybody, so much of the public didn't feel like it came near them because so many people were in the closet and they didn't know gay people. And now it's like you're seeing very public people, celebrities, but also just like regular people, you know, your grandpa, your grandma, they're at risk. Like people are at risk and it's, it's, it's. It's yeah. I, it's it really a is a glo- It thing. really does unite people globally in a really awful way. But it really feels genuinely global yeah. in a way that yeah. we've never experienced before. I will say that one thing that did make me laugh was that this guy on Facebook who I follow wrote. <laughs> he did like a like a poll, like a sort of informal poll, and wrote. Question to everyone, and be honest, are you guys still fucking and <laughs> hooking up via grinder during this, quote, self-isolation? I have a 14-day load built up, <laughs> and I haven't hooked up once, but I'm curious about you guys. Have you still been fucking? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just love the, like, the, the cavalier language he uses I, 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 on Facebook I, about yeah. his load. I will say, I think, I think if there's one thing I've learned from this recording, it's that the, I think... With coronavirus and the subsequent economic downturn, I think the dating app Sniffies isn't going to make it, and that's only because <laughs> <laughs> that's only Sniffies. because when Elliot was single, if you found if you looked on his phone, he usually had a folder that said dating apps, and he had quite literally dozens <sighs> of apps on there to the point where I would sift through. I hadn't even heard of like. Out of like seventy five percent of them. So if Elliot has not heard of Sniffies before, then you are officially not a dating app. I'm I'm just pissed off that we can't make fun of him for Raya anymore. I mean, that's yeah. really what I was. Lo- I, that was like I my know. the highlight of my week. But don't worry, everyone. Just because Elliot is dating someone doesn't mean we can't make fun of him for being unhinged. We just choose not to do so. Literally, in front of his boyfriend. 
on him. Oh, my God. And another thing. So, in non-corona-related news, uh, Marvel released um, a bunch of new heroes that are going to be mentored by their new warrior characters. These characters... This is is literally already absolute Greek to me. Uh, I have no idea what even any of that means, but continue. Let's not alienate the gamers out there. Hey, I'm not saying they're bad people. (laughs) <laughs> the Marvel, there's a Marvel universe, uh, Marvel right. film universe, and Marvel right. comic book universe. I believe it's called. So mm. two separate like entities in which characters exist, and mm. so obviously there's there's like there might be thousands, if not tens of thousands, of characters in the Marvel universe at this point. You know, yeah. some of which are enormous, like Iron Man, and then tons of which you've never heard of or only comic book fanatics know about. Yeah. So these are five new ones that they released on their website. And these uh, of these five uh, new heroes, one, two of them are called Snowflake and Safe Space, <laughs> which sounds like <laughs> a joke. <laughs> and Snowflake, Snowflake and Safe Space are psychic twins um, whose costumes reflect the colors of the transgender pride flag. Um, Safe Space is a big, burly, sort of sentimental... uh, Sorry. Safe Space is a big, burly, stereotypical jock. He creates force fields, but he can only trigger them if he's protecting somebody. Snowflake, however, is non-binary, goes by they, them, and has the power to generate individual crystallized snowflake shaped shurikens. I don't know what that is, but I also sound like Whoopi on The View reading (laughs) the uh, the teleprompter. (laughs) Now I know what she's going through. uh, Shurikens. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but um, it's pretty interesting. I believe this is I'm assuming this is the first time there's uh, a non-binary character in the Marvel Universe. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I, I mean, I think it's great. I just wish they could have given them better names like. I'm all about a weird name, but Snowflake, Snowflake, and Safe Space. You guys like, are both really struggling with the word Snowflake right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I think Snowflake has connotations to it, but also um, Safe Space is not a name. It's a it's a it's a mindset. Mm. You know, like this is a safe space, and I get what they're doing and why they're doing that. But they could have named them like you know, like a like on the NBC dramatic series from the '90s, Sisters, right? Um, yeah, where Steel Award, it's, uh, Steel Award, Swoozy Courts, Kurtz, 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 whatever. Kurtz. Um, and you know, great, great people. George yeah. Clooney was also on it, but each one of the mm. women on the show were named like a male name. Like you know, there was they all had sort of like Georgie and Bobby, and it was all uh, sort of like well, at least stereotypically male names. So it yeah. sort of like played with the whole idea of like, are they feminine? Are they masculine? You know what I mean? Like it had it was a thing. gender but, fluid. Exactly. Why couldn't they do that? Why couldn't they name Snowflake like you know um, Sammy? Yeah. <laughs> well, they you all know, I, have I, to have a, a fun name. I, oh, I was Sammy's actually going to fun. All right. I was gonna. Say, can you tell I'm I'm already furious whenever, like we're we're trying to do this via Skype. We're doing the best we can, and I'm instantly furious if someone talks over me. Hey yeah. guys, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> Bye. Um, I mean, I guess uh, for sure. I, I I hear you. I also had a similar reaction of like, I I guess I think people online when they heard about the names for these Marvel characters were worried that Marvel was kind of playing a kind of a tongue in cheek game, and I guess. My question would be, 
even though I do value the concepts, the concept of a safe space, is it also not a concept that that's worth like, can we still not have fun and gently tease people? Well, who, I can answer know, that. The, actually. The, the culture. Yeah, go ahead. The writer of the the create the writer of the characters is named Daniel Kibblesmith, um, and he writes for uh, Colbert. Uh, so he said that this is meant to be a little bit tongue in cheek. He says the connotations of the word snowflake in our culture right now are something fragile, and this character. This is a character who's turning it into something sharp, and he calls it, he calls the twins, quote, a post-ironic meditation on using violence to combat bullying. Mm. I mean, that's, that's great. <laughs> mm, I don't uh, speak what, in those what terms, is, but... Well, mm. what, is, what does post-ironic <laughs> mean? I still don't know what that means. I mean, Alan, look, I'm on, I'm you, on board. I, I mean, I think, I get what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, like... You know, taking taking the whole using the word as sort of like a play on words to try to you right. know you think it means that they're weak or they're soft or they're whatever, but in reality, snowflake is like fierce as fuck, and that's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. However, yeah. like my first reaction to it is that's fine and everything. I just I a I don't think it's necessary. I think you can still have a fierce as fuck person, <clears throat> and you don't need that sort of double entendre there to to prove your point. But also b like. My first reaction is, well, how many queer people were working on it? Because at the end of the day, that's like my biggest thing is I want queer mm-hmm. artists working on their work and putting that into the world so that it's authentic and not necessarily forced. You know what I mean? It doesn't be, feel I'm like, pretty sure Daniel's not queer. Yeah. And that that kind of makes me not so happy. However, Wait, but was it but was it his idea or did they commission him to create these characters? I can't really tell, to be honest. Yeah, so I think that's an important question, though, because, like, could, could I, I don't know what the pitching process is like at a place like Marvel, but, like, if, if, this, if this writer had a good idea that came along, even if it isn't his, uh, how he identifies within the queer community, if it's, it's, a, it's, it's still a good idea. I mean, a woman well, still can, context, can write from a man. Can, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, just the context is that the other characters uh, he created, one is called Screen Time, a teenage boy who's permanently connected to the Internet after being exposed to his grandfather's, quote, experimental Internet gas. Mm-hmm. B-negative, a goth vampire, and, and then Trailblazer, a girl who's given a magic backpack that opens to a pocket dimension of intimate, infinite space. Mm-hmm. So it is a question of, like, is this all a goof? Is it tongue in cheek? Is it is it pushing, you know, the right agenda by yeah. creating I'll tell these you, characters? I'll tell you what it's not doing. It's not making me more excited about Marvel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same, same. But, but I, with that said, I, I have no, you know, political issues with, with having a little fun. I think every group needs to be capable of being teased so long as it's done in yeah, an appropriate and reasonable fashion and you're not, like, demeaning or belittling people. But, like, I think we... This is an argument we've made consistently on the podcast, and most people, I think, are making it in the culture, which is we all need to lighten up a little bit. We need to yeah. lighten up a but little also, fucking bit. Like a lot of these sort of gay news sites and gay blogs and queer sort of spaces on the internet, it, something like this is catnip for them in that yeah. it's like, oh, you know, the, this massive brand <laughs> is doing something to be inclusive. And then when you, like, dig a little bit deeper, I think as, like, a, a queer consumer, I'm like... But this isn't 
by queer people for like this isn't like like there's what sort of representation is dictating the direction of how and not nor do I think that only queer people should write queer things I don't think I that. agree I, I right. think I think straight people can but I also think if it's if it's done for the pure sort of intent of getting a blog article out there about it being inclusive, mm-hmm. then that pisses me off. But mm. if it's done in, in like an intentional way, that's meant to be sort of actually good. Well then great. Awesome. Straight person do that. But I, I would like to see more queer comic artists creating like an awesome lesbian comic that Marvel actually publishes and isn't on some yeah. indie brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. It actually is like taken on by Marvel as like as an equal to the other comics that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know they definitely have a, uh, Marvel has a very um, devoted queer audience, so I can't imagine that they would do this to like gaslight oh, sure. people. And, I'm, and and you know I don't know anything. I don't know that much about comics, so I'm just I'm just saying queer artists start working. You, big companies start hiring them. Did Did you guys ever get into comic books? No, not really. Yes. I got into graphic novels. Mm. Yes, I did, okay. and I got into comic books. Uh, the more like goofy ones, like Archie. I loved Archie. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. But with that being said, by the way, like there are there are characters in Marvel. This character Valkyrie is bisexual. I'm reading Loki is apparently bi and gender fluid, which I'm like, are you sure? But um, I don't know. They're they're saying o- uh, Okoye from uh, from. Um, Black Panther is. We're gonna get so many comments from people oh, who man. love comics about how we're who talking like, about. You this. guys sound like yeah. fucking idiots. Well, I was yeah. also just reading that they're the Marvel's working on another new character right now. It's a, it's like a a, a character that has sort of like. Uh, he was exposed to like I think something radioactive when he was a kid, so he has no control over his sexual prowess. So he's oh, sort of Elliot. he's sort of sexually unhinged, and I think the character is named E. W. Glazer. I'm forgetting exactly uh, the name. Yeah, can you imagine a comic book character with the last name Glazer? I actually can. I can actually picture Elliot commissioning someone to actually write. And, and, and draw this comic right I was going to say, I can picture That's Elliot commissioning someone to draw on. him in, like, a very muscular form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, putting, mean, that, laser, putting that on Lasers would be a cool-ass name for a Marvel hero. I want to see the email chain for how the logo for this for this podcast, like, how often you had him chisel your chin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> this bitch. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> What would your aunt say? So what would your guys' aunts say about something they heard on today's Corona-friendly episode? <clears throat> what? What? No guest? Corona's made you lazy. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, when that guy says he's got a 14-day load, <laughs> is he talking about uh, is he talking about gum or something? Or what's he trying to unlock? <laughs> My Aunt Anne would say, you know, I am a bit of a stress eater. And every time I hear them say Corona on TV, I get out a beer and a bag of chips and I just eat the salsa and the chips because it's Mexican. You know, I have to have salsa. I don't have any guacamole. Can't get to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. 